Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So we're at the end of this series with Brian McLaren's book, and he ends the book with this parable. And the parable goes that there was this bird named Faithful, and Faithful grew up in a tree. Now, ever since the day she was born, Faithful's parents, they sang to her this song every day, and the song is called Home. Now, home was a part of this legacy of their family. It was passed on from their parents and their parents before them all the way down to Faithful and her siblings. But at some point, Faithful got mixed up, and she thought that home was the name of the tree instead of the song. And so as her siblings grew and they left the nest and they started to fly to these other places, Faithful never flew too far from the tree because she kept returning back to that place that she thought was her home. And so this one tree, that was all that she knew growing up in the spring and then into the summer. But then the leaves of the tree, they started to change colors And it wasn't just green anymore. You had all those beautiful autumn colors of the red and yellow and oranges and everything in between. And Faithful thought to herself, wow, my home has never been this beautiful. I'm so glad that I stayed. And then things started to get colder. And one day as the gusts of wind were blowing and this cold rain was falling, the leaves of the tree, they started to fall And before long, this once beautiful tree was just barren. And Faithful thought to herself, my home has never been this ugly before. And during this time, she would see these other birds flying by to different places, and she wondered where they were flying. She wondered if maybe she should go and join them, but she didn't know if she could She didn't know if she could leave her home. I mean, what would her parents think? They had found this beautiful place to make this nest for them. Would she be able to survive without that tree? Would the tree survive if she left? Somehow she knew this was a life and death decision. Do I stay or do I go? And then one morning, one of her brothers found Faithful and perched next to her on the tree And he said to her, Faithful, I'm so glad I found you. I've been looking everywhere for you. Come with me. It's time for us to migrate. And she said, I don't know if I can. And she broke down into tears and she said, I don't know, brother, if I'm supposed to stay or leave home. And her brother looked puzzled at her and gave her the cock of the head that birds do. And he said, Faithful, I think you got mixed up. You misunderstood our parents. Home isn't the name of the tree. It's the name of the song. And wherever you sing our song, that is your home. See, here's the thing. When we think about our Christian faith, it's easy to confuse the song for the tree. Now, if you're part of the church, then you either grew up in a Christian tree or at some point you found a Christian tree to be a part of, And these trees can look like different things. Maybe it's a congregation or a denomination or certain religious practices, certain religious beliefs. And these trees aren't a bad thing. They're just not the song. And often people have left the Christian faith because there was something wrong with the tree that they were a part of. But think of what happens with trees. I mean, they grow, and then they have these seasons of change. And so do institutions, even religious ones. 
and sometimes they look really great and they're doing the right thing in the world around them and other times, not so much. And you think, man, how could this tree be so ugly? Do I wanna be a part of this anymore? And even the good trees, they have these cycles and eventually, sometimes they get weaker and then they die. But then what happens? That leaves room for another shoot nearby to start to grow and then that becomes a tree that you can be a part of. Being tied to one tree that looked good in one season isn't always a good thing because we're not called to be faithful to the tree. We're called to be faithful to the song. You know, one of the earliest names that Christians went by that they decided here's what we want to be called as followers of the way because that's what it's about. I mean, the Christian faith, it's following the way of Jesus. Being disciples means living and loving more like Jesus, being part of the kingdom of God. That is what Christian faith is. Brian McLaren says it like this. Wherever we sing with love, joy, peace, and patience, wherever we sing with kindness, gentleness, generosity, and justice, there we manifest what being human needs means to us. In other words, that is what the Christian song, the Christian faith looks like. We get in trouble when we confuse that with the trees of religious institutions. Now again, don't hear me wrong, the trees can be a really good thing. Things like worship and devotion and building a community and study, all of these things, if they're done the right way, they will lead us to live and love more like Jesus. But if we're doing those things and they're not helping us to sing the song, then something has to change. I mean, what did Jesus say? How will they know if you are my disciples? By your love for one another. It reminds me of the Old Testament prophet Amos. Now, Amos was talking to the people in this time where a lot of people were doing all of the religious things right. But at the same time, those religious things had lost their meaning because as a society, they were perverting justice. They were taking, care, taking advantage of one another and they weren't taking care of the poor like they were supposed to do. I mean, the whole point back to Abraham of God choosing this family and this nation is that they were supposed to be a light to the other nations, showing the world what God's love is like. So Amos tells the people, Here's what God thinks of what you're doing. And Amos gives them God's judgment in chapter five. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps or your organ, or your praise team. But let justice roll down like water and righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. Prophet Micah shares the same message in chapter six. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil, doing all that you could, doing the right religious stuff, 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now, sometimes these words of the prophets of the Old Testament, they can sound pretty harsh to us. And I hear Christians say, well, that was, that was the Old Testament God. There's a lot of judgment back then, and Jesus comes along, and then the judgment is gone. Now, it's true that Jesus says things like, judge not, lest ye be judged. But here's the interesting thing about Jesus and judgment. He does do it. He judges and condemns. Jesus has some harsh things to say and even some harsh actions. Think of what he does turning over all of the tables of the money changers in the temple. No, Jesus can be harsh. But the only people that Jesus condemns is the self-righteous religious leaders. It's the people who are in the tree but aren't singing the song anymore. Look at what Jesus says in chapter, Luke chapter 11. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these things you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Do both, but don't forget about justice and love. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves on which people unknowingly walk. I mean, it's a not-so-subtle way of saying your faith is dead and you don't even know it. You are unmarked graves. Now, some of us, myself included, love this side of Jesus. Does anyone else love this prophetic voice of Jesus? I love it when he speaks these difficult truths to people in power. Now, this prophetic voice is really important in the Christian faith. And I would say people like Brian McLaren, people like Nadia Boltz-Weber from the Lutheran world, these are prophetic voices. Think back to Martin Luther King Jr. There's a prophetic voice giving hope, but also an important challenge that we need. But here's the danger. It's really easy to nod our heads along with those good prophetic voices and start to point our fingers at someone else. Yeah, we know exactly who they're talking about, right? And it's not us. No, we know exactly who the self-righteous, hypocritical, judgmental Christians, the people who give us a bad name are, and they're definitely not us. We don't need to change. And then before long, we don't even realize it, but we are just another branch of self-righteous, hypocritical, religious people. We all need to change. It reminds me of this parable that Jesus told about two people who went to pray at the temple. There was a Pharisee and then there was a tax collector. Now the Pharisee prayed to God and said, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, that I am not like the thieves and the rogues and the adulterers or even this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of my income. So he does the right religious things, and he gives credit to God. He says, thank you, God, you helped me do this. That's wonderful. But then the tax collector prays, and he goes far away from everyone else, and he can't even look up to heavens. He looks down as he prays, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, it was that guy 
who went home justified and not the first, because all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Think back to that wonderful verse from Micah, Micah 6, 8. I love this. Someone after the first service said, I love that verse. I've got it on my refrigerator. We've got it on our wall. It's a great verse. But don't think, forget about the last part of it. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God, as all who humble themselves will be exalted. I hope as we come to the end of this series that we don't stop thinking about these questions. I hope that we continue to wrestle with this issue of what does the future of the church look like and how does the church need to change and not just those other Christians, <laughs> not just the church as a whole, but how does our church, how do I as an individual Christian need to evolve and grow and change? As we walk this journey of discipleship, trying to live and love more like Jesus, we can't forget about humility because we're all human. None of us have it all figured out, not even Doug. <laughs> He's really close. He's really close, but not even Doug, right? None of us have it all figured out. So what I love most about being able to dig in to Brian McLaren's difficult questions is for me, it's made me think of a lot of problems that exist in the church throughout history and today, but it's also made me realize there is a whole lot of things to be hopeful for. So that's how I wanna end, not with my thoughts of hope, but with some of your thoughts of hope. What gives you hope about the future of Christianity? That God's always with us. And we need to know that he's always in our heart. Hope is the people around me right now, the people that uh, believe in God, practice uh, Christianity, and, and serve God. I, I see so many examples of, of service at, at peace. There are so many opportunities to, to give of ourselves. The core of, of Christianity is Jesus, and Jesus isn't going away. Um, that gives a, a center. And I think that's one of the things that people need is a center and they not and they're just searching to find that. I just think that there's so much that will happen. And I think that God's still in control. He will take care of what we are and who we are. And there's still much there's still all we need to do is provide the love and care for people. Well, it seems like it's a troubled world, and the church is a place where you can come and find peace, at least for me. I think there will always be a need for faith and religion and church, and um, I think there will always be that need. So um, that, and um, I've had the good fortune of knowing a lot of really um, really great young people. Seeing people that are trying to do the right things. Um, and it is hard sometimes just to do the right thing. Because there are a lot of people in the world that will tell you you're wrong. But I think finding that moral compass is important. 
And I think Christianity helps you find that model. Historically, the church has survived. It survived a lot of craziness over almost 2,000 years, and I believe it will continue to survive. Uh, God will make sure it survives. And another thing that I have seen is I've seen the incredible quality of the leaders God is raising up for his church. Uh, pastors that are just amazing. So I believe that the church is going to survive throughout uh, anything the world throws at it. As crazy as our world is today, that people are going to reach out and look for something that they can believe in and they can have faith in. And in the human race, not that, that's not that good and, and possible to do. And I believe that if they turn and ask Christ for help, that it will make a big difference in their life.